and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have Melanie Phillips from the Maduri Method. Melanie is an author, clinical Ayurvedic specialist, energy healer and yoga teacher trainer. As you can see, she does a variety of different things that were all spurred by life's initiations. Years ago, just at the end of completing her four-year contemporary dance degree, she had both an injury and then a strange growth erupt on her leg leaving her only to hobble, not walk very well, let alone dance. For the first time in her life, Melanie was confronted with a self that did not know how to be happy, being stilled, limping and not dancing. This time proved to be the breaking open of her awareness to let in the light and also a period in which she found herself justing with the dark. In her travels, Melanie found a guru, became a yoga teacher, got married, own a yoga studio and began to study Ayurveda. Through the study and implementation of Ayurveda and energy healing, Melanie began to heal through addressing and bringing healing to all aspects of her mind, heart and body through Ayurveda and meditation. Melanie is passionate about merging ancient wisdom with modern sensibility for transformation and healing. She believes that laughter is the best medicine. So now it's time to chill back and tune into this inspirational woman. Well, today we have Melanie Phillips, the sweetness of um well i can't even remember what you said it was mean it was um the the maduri method maybe tell us what the maduri method which is your company yes so thank you Catherine, for having me here i'm delighted and great to connect with you Uh, madu in sanskrit essentially means uh, sweetness or honey and the maduri method or the maduri method um is my particular company and my particular spin on Teaching, teaching Ayurveda to yoga teachers so that they can implement these things into their practice. And then also with the Ayurvedic consultations I do and the energy work that I do, bringing in really the essence of coming back to our own sweetness or the own, the essence of who we are, which I believe is pure light. Oh, I just love that. Well, as soon as you said, uh, or you explained what Madhuri was uh, was all about, I just look at you in a different light now. I see you as this real sweet Melanie, sweetness about you. Mm, thank you. So for our listeners, let's unpack Melanie Phillips and tell us your story. 
Yeah, so I won't go all the way back, although there's lots of different pathways uh, and interesting tidbits along the way. But I essentially I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner and an energy healer. I'm an author and I'm a yoga teacher training trainer. And I came, my first doorway was into yoga and that was through a dance injury. And then I got intrigued and inspired to go to India uh, when I was on a pilgrimage, essentially around New Zealand. I met a Swami and I ended up being in India the following fall to live at the Bihar School of Yoga, which is essentially in a yoga ashram and really took to it. I, I really felt so at home in the ashram setting, even though we were sleeping on little wooden beds and, you know, things were very austere and I loved it. I loved the discipline of it. I loved everything I was learning about yoga at the time. And it felt like it was a very expansive journey for me at that time. But as years progressed and I got deeper into the spiritual practice uh, that I was learning, uh, funnily enough, over time, I mean, over a decade or so, my belief system and thoughts became more narrow. And I wasn't completely aware of this at the time, but now that I look back, I see what was happening. Uh, and also on one of those trips to back to India, I became very sick. And I didn't realize how unwell I was. I was in India for a while and then traveled through Southeast Asia by myself. And by the time I got back to Canada, where I live, um, I realized I really was not right. I'd gone from being a dancer, which is essentially an athlete and dancing six or eight hours a day sometimes. And when I got back from this trip, I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs without being exhausted. So I went to my doctor who sent me to a specialist and I waited for months to get in and finally got into the foreign disease specialist with high hopes thinking, oh great, they're going to tell me what the problem is and I can fix it. And I got into the specialist's office and he looked at the reports and all the blood work and all the tests they had done and he just looked up at me and said there's nothing wrong with you and at that point in time it was devastating I was in my 20s I didn't have the understanding of the resources of really what to do but I had through my travels in India learned a little bit about Ayurveda and there was something about Ayurveda that did resonate with me and I signed up to go to Ayurveda college in the United States essentially and do a three-year program there and what I learned in that three-year program and beyond became the foundation for healing myself of what the specialist could only refer to as a post-viral fatigue syndrome. So kind of like a chronic fatigue syndrome, but it was from a virus that essentially knocked my immune system out uh, and left me completely depleted of energy. So it's an autoimmune condition. So I had this for over seven years and I used studied Ayurveda and used the philosophy and the practices of Ayurveda to begin to heal myself. And it wasn't an overnight quick fix, unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not sure. Um, but it really gave me the tools to empower myself with my own healing where the Western medical system left me essentially alone and at a loss. Uh, but I was still wasn't quite back to the state I had been before being so full of energy and so full of life. I came across something called bioenergy healing. And I began to study bioenergy. And this was the final piece of the puzzle for me. It seemed like Ayurveda 
you know, took me to that 98% of, of what I needed in my healing, but the bioenergy healing really was the final piece of the puzzle that brought it all into place because it was really looking at the pranic body and the energy body and the chakra system or these main energy vortexes essentially that we have uh, and looking at the underlying beliefs and issues that were keeping me from not fully regaining my energy and my power. Wow, I'm just listening to you and going, I wonder what a day in a life would be like with Melanie. So talk us through that. So are you conscious of uh, or do you plan what you're going to eat on a day-to-day basis or a week in advance? Like how do you actually, because Ayurvedic is it's a, a technique in itself, you have to be really aware of your body. So if you're from, um, from what I understand, and I did a, a test many moons ago and I did, I was very much fire. So, um, mm. for me, I was told to eat a lot of cooling foods. Um, but I think you can, you can go from one to another depending on what cycle you're, you're in for a woman as well. Is that correct? Well, your constitution is actually established at conception and that will never change. It's like your base. It's like your blueprint. But what does change, we call it the vikruti or your current state. So you're constantly uh, moving in and out of balance. And so somebody can present with a different dosha than is their original or true nature. And this is where we see there's an imbalance. Or you can present with symptoms of your true nature. So like you say, if you're fiery, then you can present with fiery type symptoms, whether that's acne or inflammation or colitis or um, diarrhea, all of these fiery expressions that the body is communicating to us are just saying, hey, you're out of balance in a fire type way. But essentially, your dosha or your constitution at the moment of conception is established. So that is set. And then yes, throughout life and life's changes and stresses and um, what life throws at us. And just because most people aren't aware of what their Ayurvedic constitution is. So you're correct, you know, they're not eating the foods that are going to necessarily be best for them. They're not living in a way that may suit their constitution because we're caught up in the push of our culture's drive and society's, you know, more, faster, uh, longer, all of this stress that may be very unnatural to what our unique body-mind system needs. Mm. So how does one, so I know that you can do an assessment to find out exactly what your dosha is, and then how do you then work through what you are depending on what you're going through? Do you do another assessment, or is it these elements or these physical things that occur to make you think, well, I'm out of whack right now, so I should be adding more air or more whatever that may be? Yeah, well, back to your original question, um, about, you know, are you, am I aware of like what I'm eating and do I plan? Yes, awareness is absolutely the first phase of anything, really, of being aware of not feeling right or being out of balance. And so many people, so many intelligent, conscious people may not even be aware that a little bit of gas or a little bit of bloating are, these are initial signs of imbalance that can over time lead into much greater challenges, health challenges. So the awareness of, it's like a fine-tuned instrument of listening to our body and feeling when we're a little bit off or listening to our mind or our emotions and feeling when we're not in our wholeness and when we're not in our center is the spark, is the key of saying something's not right and I need to look at what that is and address it. So maybe it is something as simple as uh, changing to eat seasonally or eating to 
satisfy your doshic needs. So everyone's food needs are different depending what their constitution is. But awareness is the first phase of it. Without that, we just kind of bumble through life and don't really realize that something's wrong until we get a diagnosis or until something major happens. And then we go, oh, wow, maybe I haven't felt right for days or months or years or decades. So you can, yes, you can go online and do a dosha quiz. I always call this sort of a cosmopolitan, like a Cosmo magazine quiz. They're, they're fine, but they can also lead you astray because they're not always looking at getting information about the true nature and the current state, because those can often be two different things. So I do encourage people that if you are drawn to Ayurveda, or even if you have symptoms that you just want to deal with in a natural way, then go to a practitioner, you know, invest in seeing a practitioner, whether that's in person or via Skype, that this is really important work. And I don't, now that I know Ayurveda, I don't know how people can live their life without it, to be honest. It's, uh, it's changed my life. And my day-to-day -day life has become even easier because I know Ayurveda. So in the beginning, it was, oh, yeah, what are the right foods for me? And now I live in a way that I call Ayurvedic mastery, which is essentially just intuitive. So I eat intuitively. I live my life as close to my intuitive self and my wise inner self as possible. So I'm not fixated on any kind of diet I'm not fixated on any kind of way of being. Yes, I have preferences, but to me, the mastery level is when we can digest whatever is in front of us physically, literally, and also metaphorically within our life. Can we digest our life's experiences? Can we digest our emotional experiences? Mm, I love that. We had a, a, another uh, a woman of inspiration on the show who actually spoke about that when she goes shopping, and, and she talked about intuitively eating, when she'd pick mm -hmm. up a, a piece of fruit or any form of food, she would hold it up to her um, almost like her sacral chakra and see mm. whether her body was moving towards it or moving away. And if her body was moving away from the food, she know that she was not aligned to it and intuitive, intuitively this food was not right for her. But when she was moving towards it, she knew that the food was good for her, so she would purchase it and that's what she called intuitively eating. Um, mm. Is that the sort of thing that you do? You kind of follow that gut feeling of yours? Yeah, it's more, and I think everyone experiences their own intuition differently. For me, I, I feel sensation in my body. Mm. Uh, and then sometimes if I'm just gravitating towards something or craving something, so I don't have a right, wrong mentality around foods. I have a, uh, just as you were speaking of that other woman, like, will this nourish me? And maybe sometimes that's some chocolate, or maybe mm. sometimes that's lasagna. And sometimes it's a salad. It just really depends. Uh, so I, I really listen to my body and I listen to the seasons, you know, in Canada, in the wintertime, I live in Vancouver, it's damp, it's rainy, it is very rare, very, very rare that I will crave or want any kind of raw food or salad. Mm -hmm. It's just not natural. And then as soon as summer comes, and the, the temperatures change, my body does crave that. But it's not from an intellectual like, oh, I should eat salads because they're healthy. When a lot of the times, if we're not digesting the food we're taking in, even if they're so-called healthy salads or smoothies, then we're not receiving the nourishment and we're not receiving the energy from the food. So this is where I really teach my students and clients to move out of, you know, reading things on social media of like the new superfood or what's healthy and what's not because it's very broad and we need to listen individually and uniquely to what our body is saying. 
Well, so we Mel- all have we have different needs. We're different people. I love that, Melanie. It's so different to what other people have said, and definitely um, what you read about. Because sometimes we do crave. For me, and, and you're right. When it's cold, I crave hot drinks and soups. And yes. there are times where I crave some dark chocolate. Uh, and it's probably, you know, that time in the afternoon at three o'clock in the afternoon where you're probably feeling a little bit tired. Yes. Uh, but most of the time people, you know, from some of the guests and some other people that I've spoken to, they say, you know, your mind is always craving for that sugar or that kick. So you should ignore it. Whereas you're saying that when you have a craving, you have a craving for a reason. And so you should listen to your body and follow that craving. Yes. And here's the that. disclaimer. Here's the disclaimer on that one, though. If we're out of balance, then our body will likely crave things to keep us out of balance, and that's when it is not necessarily healthy. And we have to look underneath. So, mm-hmm. say someone's craving sugary sweets all the time. I wouldn't necessarily say, "Oh, you should just give into those cravings." If that's coming from a state of there, it's not a true intuition, or it's not a true body craving. It's more of a habitual or addictive response, or a emotional eating response, then we have a, would look underneath that and say, what are you really craving? Are you craving nurturing? Are you craving recognition, approval, uh, love? And what other activities could you do to satisfy that underneath craving opposed to the sugar addiction craving? So that's the, my disclaimer on I'm not talking about, mm. oh, if you're, if you're caught in the loop of uh, a habitual way of eating that is not serving you because it's coming from a lack of consciousness. I'm saying the next level, and that's why I call it the mastery level. For those of you who feel like you're pretty clear within yourself and and fairly balanced within your health, then that's when you can really listen to those deeper cravings. But the first step before that would be uh, addressing any underlying causes of imbalance that are perpetuating an unhealthy craving. Does that make sense? Mm, absolutely. makes absolute sense. So, Mel- Melanie, how does the, um, the bioenergy fit in with the Ayurvedic uh, form of life? Mm, I love that question. So my belief is that energy healing always was part of Ayurveda. Uh, that from And Ayurveda, for those of you who don't know, it's the world's oldest holistic healing system that's still being used on the planet. And it's Origins are from India over 5,000 plus years ago. However, my sense is, and what I really believe, is that all native indigenous cultures on the planet were using the principles of Ayurveda. They wouldn't have called it that, uh, but they would be wildcrafting herbs. They would be living with the cycles of life. They would be in rhythm with nature. Essentially, that's what Ayurveda is, is looking at the five elements that are in everything on the planet and also within ourselves and saying, how do we stay in harmony with our inner environment in relation to the outer environment? Mm, I got you. And isn't it interesting? Like I look at four elements, you're saying five elements, and it depends on what, you know, because I know with Chinese uh, medicine, Ayurvedic, they have five elements where a lot of the work that I've done in my time as well as Huna, we only work with four elements, which is mm. the fire, earth, water, and air. And in astrology okay. as well. But the, the fifth element would be wood. Is that correct? Uh, in Chinese medicine, that would be correct. They use wood uh, and metal. But in Ayurveda, we use earth, water, fire, air, and ether or space, essentially. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So talk us through what is bioenergy for our listeners because um, and, and for myself as well. I'm intrigued to f- learn more about it. So bioenergy healing is one of the tools that I use in my energy healing work, one of the main ones, and it's essentially a system for looking at the biofield or the aura. So we have an energy that radiates out from the body and this now, you know, science is approving of this and agreeing with this. It's not just woo-woo out there ideas, but really saying there is a field of energy that can be measured and often dis-ease will originally originate on this subtle energetic level. <coughs> Excuse me. So when we have stress in the body or the mind or in, or in the emotions, then this creates, let's say, a blockage of energy. So if you think of your body as an energy system, which it is, and every stressful thought begins to block the natural flow of energy or every incident or trauma blocks the energy, then until that energy is cleared, or the stagnation is cleared rather, and having the energy flow, then there, there will be dis-ease. <coughs> Excuse me. I've got a blockage of energy going on right now. That's okay. You're clearing your energy as you're speaking. So how does one, for example, with the energy, if you have a block of energy in your body, how does one discover that? Does it do, does, because I've seen these bioenergy machines where people hook you up uh, on a machine and I think they just put your little (coughs) finger in it. So it's kind of a, I think it measures your pulse or something like that. And then it gives you a reading of what your energy is like. Are you okay? I'm okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. I am good. I just got a little tickle in my throat and now it's coughing. So that, Catherine, what you're talking about is biofeedback. Oh, biofeedback. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's how does one di- discover if they've got a block of, you know, a blocked energy somewhere in their body? Yeah, you will know. So again, coming back to the awareness, if you have any symptoms. All right. So that could be anything from indigestion to insomnia, or it might be a really large symptom like cancer or arthritis or diabetes. So it's really just listening to the body and going, am I a little bit out of of balance? Is something not right? Low energy, right? Fatigue or Mm. depression or anxiety. These are all symptoms of blocked energy or stagnant energy. Often people that are fatigued, they think, oh, I have no energy. It's not that they don't have the energy, it's that it's blocked. Okay. So when that energy can be released and freed up, then they feel the vitality returning. But most people don't know how to uh, clear that blockage for themselves. And how do they clear that? So say you, you know, for somebody that has anxiety or uh, has a sore knee or anything like that, how does one clear their energy? Yeah, good question. Good question. And a bit of a complicated one. Uh, I think there's many different ways. And this is what I love the interface of Ayurveda and the energy work. Uh, We have to look at the underlying root causes of dis-ease of why is the body going out of balance? Sometimes, you know, we can just have a repetitive injury from uh, playing a sport or something over time and we wear down the knee or we get in a car accident, we have whiplash. So sometimes we have things that happen suddenly and Mm -hmm. show up. 
But other times we have blockages of energy because of the ways in which we perceive our reality, the ways in which we perceive ourselves and the world and what our inner dialogue, our inner self-talk is like. So if you imagine within the inner voice of the mind, there's a belief that I'm not good enough. And this is very common. I've worked with many people over the years and when we peel back the layers, there's often some form of I'm not good enough. And I can say for myself also, I've unearthed that belief of seeing some part of me doesn't feel worthy. So if that subconscious belief is going on in the energy field, so a thought is an energy form, very subtle thoughts. Mm. We know we know thoughts are real, even though if we were to cut open the body, we couldn't look in the body and find the thoughts sitting anywhere, not even in the brain or the mind. So they're in their own energy field that's very subtle. But over time, if we're thinking this thought, believing this thought, it starts to create a blockage. <clears throat> so that blockage will create a dis-ease in the physical body because the physical body is just an expression of the more subtle energetic body. Mm. So the two are related and our in the information that our physical body receives is from the more subtle thoughts and emotions. And so when we're doing things even with Ayurveda and eating all the right foods and you know taking the the proper herbs or supplements and being as healthy as we can be but when we're still finding we're at a plateau and going well why aren't I healing? I'm doing all the right things physically but still nothing's shifting and that's really where we cannot ignore the other aspects of who we are. We're not just physical bodies. We are mental, emotional, energetic beings. And we can't uh, separate those things. We can't separate the body from the mind, from the emotions, from the energy body. No, no, you can't. They're, they're, uh, the body and mind are, are very much connected. And I, I believe that we were having that conversation yesterday that when you do have a thought, it's like, how do you control your thought when you have anything from 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day? And it's about right. being conscious of them and watching them and being the observer of your thoughts as well. Because when you catch them, because sometimes when we get through our day and we're just caught in that vortex of thinking uh, to that point where it's, you know, because obviously your heart and your, your brain is constantly communicating with one another, going up and down, back and forth, back and forth. But it's that thought that if we catch at the right time it doesn't hit that the our heart and create that emotion where it's uh we show up in a way that we don't want to show up and it is it is it's work you know but it's like with anything I always say if you want to uh you know have a, a healthy mind and a healthy body you would go to the gym or do yoga or you know ayurvedic uh form of uh lifestyle but it's constant it's not one of those things that you just do it for a couple of days and then you're healed <laughs> it's a lifestyle that's why i don't call diets diets because diet is short term where yeah. and and you're right because people get stuck on short term diets because it's called diet but if you say this is my lifestyle very it's it's there's um uh you know there's time associated to that which is your life Yes, absolutely. And and the interesting thing is about those 60 or 80,000 thoughts we have every day, I think it's 90 or 95% of them are the same thoughts we had yesterday. So the good news in that is that we can start to catch these thoughts and beliefs that are creating contraction, not expansion. And whenever the, a thought 
or sensation feeling in the body is creating contraction, that will eventually create dis-ease. Mm-hmm. And so we can feel for, you know, I could invite the listeners to call up a stressful thought right now and then ask them to pay attention to their body and there would be a physiological reaction. If we focus enough on something that stresses us out, our body has a has a reaction to that. And then we can also work in the opposite of calling up good feeling thoughts of things that feel good and go, oh, wow, my body is responding differently. And in that, that is is the work, I believe, uh, that you, you, know, you say, Catherine, it is daily practice. It is moment to moment. It's a lifestyle. It's not just we do it once and check, oh, I've completed that. It's really a way of looking at ourselves in the world. I agree completely with you. And how do you work through? So we talk to uh, some of our women in, of inspiration. We talk to them about some of their roadblocks and what gets in their way of their business. And quite often they talk about it's them that gets in the way. They get in their way or their saboteur or some people call it their imposter. Uh, how does one recognize or how do you recognize? Because we all have have those moments where we, we sabotage. And I know even for myself, I had a fear of success. So then uh, I was sabotaging when things were going really well. I would be sabotaging uh, an aspect of my business or if my relationship was going really well, then I would be sabotaging my relationship. But it took me years to identify this saboteur or imposter um, and now it's still to this day, I catch it out and then work with it. Uh, what are some of your tricks that you work with when your saboteur comes up? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, <clears throat> well, I think the first thing is the awareness of just going, oh, I've seen this before, <laughs> or I've felt this before. And the practice is the awareness provides us some space to get a little bit of perspective of going, oh, that's a thought, or that's a belief. And even just labeling it can be good sometimes of, oh, that's an old belief, or that's a thought. And these things will repeat themselves, even if something arises for me, and I feel like, oh, I've worked through that. I thought I'd worked through that. Why is this here again? Um, And then I think what is the most important is bringing more love to ourselves and the situation and not resisting what is arising. Because in the resistance of what is arising, we push it away and make some part of it wrong. So it's very much the masculine energy to go into that way of wanting to fix or change right away or being like, oh, I know, I'll just improve myself or I'll just somehow push away from what is arising, whether it's the saboteur or the victim or the martyr, whatever that is, instead of being with it. I think these frag I, I think of them as fragmented aspects of ourself. And I think they really just want to be seen, to be heard, to be acknowledged, so that they can have their place but not be in control. So I don't think it's about obliterating any aspect of ourself, but essentially changing our relationship to it. So as we work with something that arises, bringing more love, bringing more love to the one who is going through the experience, bringing more love to the one who is challenged by the saboteur, by the victim, by the martyr, uh, by the belief system. And in that, there's a softening that occurs in the energy body, in the pranic body, in the mind, in the heart. So it's not about overcoming and not about uh, making ourselves wrong, because often we'll do that. 
we'll make ourselves wrong for how we're thinking or feeling and like, oh, I should be over this by now or why is this here again? I've done all this work. And that is what digs it in deeper and kind of it's like we're not mm. going to we're not going to <clears throat> resolve or dissolve things by being angry at them. And I feel that's true for the physical body. You know, we can't fight against something to heal it. Mm. It doesn't even make sense. But so often we do, right? We get angry um, and think that that anger, oh, I'm going to fight cancer, I'm going to fight this. And mm. ultimately, it's not the path to sustainable healing. Yeah, it's it's really to surrender to it. And I think that yesterday we were talking about uh, um, uh, whatever you want to call them, a self-sabotage or saboteur or uh, imposter. And, and everyone has their own tricks on how they deal with them and I think it's really not to judge them absolutely but to make to acknowledge them not to repress them because they do they want to be seen and heard but uh to acknowledge when they do come up and go oh I see you I hear you I feel you uh you and, and there's some techniques that I've learned um over the years too that you can actually um once you acknowledge it uh instead of calling it um, you know, a saboteur or um, uh, an imposter, which can have a negative connotation to it. You can actually give it a name so that when it comes up, you actually separate yourself with it because you can identify it's still a part of you, but you can identify that that part of you is is want to be seen and acknowledged, and that's why it comes up. Absolutely. Mm, but it's true. It, it is really about love and surrendering into it. So, Melanie, what we do as we wrap up the show, we always ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? That word for me would be embodied light. Mm. Well, those are two words, but those are the words yeah, that I yeah, light. I can brand. see that. Absolutely. Even just looking at your photo to me, you you bring a lot of light about you. Absolutely. And the other thing we do as we wrap up the show is ask our woman of inspiration to leave our listeners with three shiny golden nuggets. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to give our listeners today? So what I would love to impart to the listeners here is that Number one, it's really not about what you do, but how you do it. Meaning the level of consciousness in which you bring to your activities, to your eating, to your relationships, to your uh, children, to your career, whatever it may be, it's really the quality in which you move through your life that is important and penetrating, not how many things you can get done in a day. So that's the first thing is it's not what you do, but how you're doing it. Like just check in, how are you driving your kids to school? Are you stressed out? Are you frantic? How are you moment to moment? And that is paramount to transformation of looking at how do I want to show up? How do I want to be? And am I being that way? The second thing I would like to share is that no matter what you've experienced in your life, it doesn't need to define you or your life and that you honestly and truly can shift things and create your future from today, no matter what, what has happened to you, no matter what traumas or tragedies or life experiences you've been through, no matter how wonderful or horrible they've been, they do not have to be your future. And the third golden nugget I'd like to share is that your health and your body will ultimately heal by welcoming in more love, 
more surrender. This will move into your life and your cells, into your mind and relationships. So that connecting into your heart is the most important vehicle, the most important tool for healing. And that can look many different ways. But by welcoming in more love and acceptance, it doesn't mean you have to ignore things that have gone wrong. It doesn't mean that there's not space for anger and frustration and sadness and grief. Not at all. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying to welcome in the whole spectrum. So as much as we look at the light, we look to the shadow. And in all of it is the surrender to come back to our heart. And it really takes letting go of our will and our life plan. And when we can soften what we think and how we think our life should be going and really offer it up, I call it offering it up to the altar of life, of just saying, I'm not in control. Then healing can happen. Then healing can be welcomed into the body. So stop fighting with yourself. Stop fighting with your body. Stop, stop hating yourself or parts of your body and bring more love and more acceptance. And this will transform your life. Mm, I love that. And I really, the first one really resonates with me. It's not what you do, but how you do it. Because mm. it's true. We get so caught up in this fast-paced life that we live. And it's true. Sometimes you, you it's not, you just think for my day to day, it's about what I get through and not how I do it. So I really love that. That really resonates with me. So thank you for that. So Melanie, so how can our listeners find you? Uh, they can find me. My website is madurimethod.com. That's M-A-D-H-U-R-I method.com. And if people want to stay in touch, then they can sign up for my newsletter and receive some self-healing uh, gifts from me as well. A relaxation practice and a self-care video and a meditation. So if they feel inspired to stay connected, that's a great way. Just go to madurimethod.com. can find me there. Great. Thank you so very much for your time and your energy. Some valuable golden nuggets there for sure. So thank you so much and have an amazing day. Thank you. You too, Catherine. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. If you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care.